This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about how vocations equals sacrifice. What is meant by discerning a vocation? Should everyone discern a vocation? Well, let's find out. Father Joshua is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. Father Joshua Worth is in here with us today. Father, it's been a little while. Yeah. Um, haven't spoken to you in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while, I've got Father Joshua's phone number. I'm not going to share it with the rest <laughs> of you. Um, but uh, it's kind of nice because every once in a while I'll have some crazy question yeah. and I call Father Joshua and I'm like, oh, let's just see what he has <laughs> to say about it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but for anybody out there who doesn't know uh, Father Joshua, he is a native of Shinshin, yeah, correct? Right. Ordained in 2009 by Bishop Paul Coakley at Sacred Heart the Cathedral here, um, not here, but in Salina. Currently, uh, you're the pastor of St. Bernard Parish in Ellsworth and St. Ignatius Loyola Parish in Canopolis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Father Joshua also serves as a chaplain to the Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Ellsworth, as well as being the co-vocations director for the Diocese of Salina. Man, you, you got to kind of wear some, some hats there, huh? Yeah, yeah. The, that, other, the other one I'm known for, I, I guess I'm getting it more and more out there, is uh, assistant to the exorcist. So they okay. hear, people hear that I'm, uh, people hear that I'm chaplain at the prison and assistant to the exorcist and then i'm going to be here talking about vocations and they go oh we were here in the really so disappointed Ooh. when i want to talk about vocations so. no i understand because i know you've <clears throat> talked about that other stuff a lot before and sometimes yeah. you're like can i talk about something else <laughs> that's all right i mix it in there a little bit i mix it in there. no you guys you guys should see this people on youtube can probably see it right. father joshua comes in looking like um not himself but his papers his prepared yeah. papers. you look like i did in high school and still do by the way, my, you know, he's got his notes, he's my, crumpled up My paper. printer wasn't working, so I had to handwrite it all out. Yeah. I think your handwriting might be a little bit nicer than I mine, know. though. But. Read, I, don't, I don't know if you can read those. I kind of changed the first couple of questions. Oh, no, that's all right, then. Yeah, we're, we'll break right into it, then, yeah. uh, with Father Joshua Worth, because he has a lot um, better and more intelligent things to say than I do. <laughs> no, um, I'm just here for giggles. Good. All right, so, Father, breaking into it, um, let's, let's yeah. look at our first question here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, that's a big one, um, but a good one. Yeah, right? a lot of people have different reasons for this, but what is the fear associated around vocations? Yeah, so biggest biggest fear is um, that um, somehow God's going to call us to something that's we're not going to enjoy, or we're not going to be happy with, or we're not going to be content with, or and I I had that a lot t um, in my life too that. I just felt like God was calling me to be a priest, and I was fighting it really hard because I was like, "No, this, I wanted. There's all the things I want to do, you know. There's other things, uh, you know. I had a girlfriend at the time in college, and um, was studying English literature, and uh, you know, was kind of doing a lot of odd jobs as uh, you know, computer stuff. Was kind of compu into computers at the time and stuff, and I was just like, God. Um, I have other plans, you know, besides being a priest. <laughs> Don't we? And um, but it's it's um, it's it's desperate. We need we need priests. We need priests. I pulled some I pulled some uh, headlines from some of the bigger dioceses in the in the world uh, in their country right now. Detroit to go from 216 parishes to 51 parish clusters sharing oh, clergy. 
Chicago to close as many as 100 parishes. Pittsburgh Diocese go from 188 parishes to 57 parish clusters, possibly closing 60% of its parishes. So these are these are all churches that used to have one, two priests at them, and now um, because of our our decimated numbers, now we're now uh, closing like sometimes half the parishes or or combining them under one pastor, and so our numbers here in this diocese. And me being vocation now, I gotta now I gotta worry about this stuff. <laughs> I usually just say that's somebody else's problem. <laughs> Let the vocation director deal with that, and now it's me, so I gotta deal with it. Funny but, how God works. <laughs> yeah. So we got eighty-seven parishes in our diocese, Slanted diocese, and a thirty-five active priests, diocesan priests. We have we have others that are Capuchin or foreign missionary priests, but thirty-five active diocesan priests, and seven of them are at or above retirement age at 70. So they could uh, retire and get their retire stipend, stipend as well. So so we're telling telling guys, it's not optional anymore, okay? We're not asking anymore. We're demanding, demanding that everybody, men, women, that everybody go into prayer and ask the Lord, what are you calling me to do with my life? What is the vocation that you're calling me towards? And and you have to get an answer. You we're we're past the time of just waiting for something just to fall in our lap. Yeah. Well, if priesthood is gonna happen, then one day I'll be at chapel and father will pull me aside and say, I think you're supposed to be a priest <laughs> and my girlfriend will break up with me the same day and I'll get fired from my career on the same day and then I'll be assigned that I'm supposed to be, you know and they're just, everybody's just always waiting for this uh, all the stars to align in uh-huh. a way and and kind of limit their options for them. But um, we don't have time for that anymore. Everybody needs to go and pray and ask the Lord to to help. What do you want me to do? And they're afraid of the answer. We're all afraid of the answer because we're afraid that somehow limits our freedom. But he doesn't want to limit our freedom. He wants he wants to give us what what our heart really desires, and it's going to make us most happy, most content, most peaceful. Even though there's there's a lot of of turmoil in in the thing now. But you know, for men, I think it's important to know that that they're wanted, they're needed. And and there's a battle going on, and, and we need we need soldiers. We need soldiers for this battle because um, here's some other headlines that are c- kind of scary. And uh, and to our neighbors in North Canada, last year, 25 churches burned by arsonists. Last year, 43 more vandalized. And those and those churches wow. aren't going to be rebuilt. You know, yeah. they're on mission territory mostly. In U.S., 101 acts of vandalism last year against churches and statues with two churches being set on fire with intentional arson. Mexico's got the same problems when they got a, a Women's Day march or whatever. They uh-huh. trash the churches that they pass by, yep. you know, the protesters do. And you, if you've seen the videos, it looks like a zombie movie. They're in the in the side of the church just pushing all the pews against the, the doors, trying to keep people from coming in and destroying more stuff. They totally trash the outside of the church. but And the worst of all, uh, June 2020, Tabernacle and Eucharist stolen in, in North Carolina. And um, just this September 2021, Curity Church in Denver, the Tabernacle with Eucharist was stolen as well. So we need priests to man man these places on the wall, okay. right? We need to uh, – these, these are the kind of battalion 
headquarters where we need soldiers so that this stuff doesn't happen. So there's somebody praying or walking through the church or getting ready to say mass or about to leave mass. But when you have these parish clusters and, and one priest, you know, I got I only got two parishes. You know, Father Damien, when he was on Beloit, I think he had like four or five parishes or something. But you can't, you don't live next to most yeah. of them, right? You don't see them out your window and, and you don't know who's coming in or going out. We had a break in at the beginning pandemic at uh, St. Bernard's Church. I mean, they left the tabernacle alone, thank goodness, but all our toilet paper, you know, they took all that. <laughs> and our hand sanitizer <laughs> and our frozen hot dogs. And you know, it sounds like you're really saying we need men to man up. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, which, which also, I, I think you can speak to this because of the prison ministry you do, because this actually, right. I called Father um, on this one time because I wanted to know, but uh, Part of the problem with priestly vocations, I believe, um, I'm not the first person to say this, but I agree, is also because of the vocation to marriage. Exactly. Because when we look at 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, just the the horrible statistics behind uh, single parent families, I'm not talking the ones that have accidents, but yeah, you know right, right. that that's what they have chosen, right. um, then we don't value sacrament for what they are and if we don't value them we don't have it's not that moms can't do a Mm -hmm. good job but sons need a father right right um kids need both parents to Mm -hmm. see how they're supposed to work together and and if a if a young man does not have a father or a fatherly role model to raise him up and say what is god asking you to do yeah he's probably gonna miss it yeah and um you know because uh, boys got this thing called testosterone. If it was a, if it was a street <laughs> drug, you know, it'd be up there. Oh, yeah. Class one, you know, oh, illegal street drug. Uh-huh. And if you don't have some a man that's been through that battle that he saw his father go through it and, and his father saw his father go through it and knows how to – and can show him how to control that, they go, they go crazy on it. You know, they just can't control it. And, you know, the rates of prison – you know, I asked my prisoners one time uh, what, what – how many guys were raised single parents or parents were divorced and 85% of and most of the, you know, no father, no yeah. father. And that's, I think it's closer to 90% when you get to the national average and suicides and school shootings, you know, school shooters are all male. We just had one today, unfortunately, up in, in Michigan. Oh, and, um, you know, there's only one female, female, uh, uh, school shooter. I was just looking this up, but it was, it was, um, just the other year. Kendrick Castillo was the only one that got killed, and he, he's the one that all he wanted to be was a Knights of Columbus, and they made him honorary Knights of Columbus. He wasn't 18 yet, so he couldn't join. But after he died, they made him a, a honorary Knights of Columbus at that. You might have seen that. Oh, out in Denver. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's yeah. the kid who um, yeah. was a Boy Scout, I think, mm-hmm. and, and stopped And stopped the school shooter. shooting. That was a female school shooter. She wanted to kill Christians and, and two of them, and, but they were transgendering to male not to not to blame a transgender, but to say, I bet you they were on testosterone. testosterone. They were they were transitioning using that testosterone, and it and it drives you. If you don't have somebody to train you how to do, use that, it absolutely you know drives you crazy. So um, you'll go to alcoholism, you go to suicide, you go to drugs, you go to crime, you go whatever whatever you're you're start following. You don't have anybody yeah. to train you how to follow the faith and follow God's law, and so you end up with that. So yeah, the. The question we have to go and ask, and some some guys might tell me, but you know, Father, I got 
I, I got a good girlfriend. I got a, um, I got a good career going. I got a good education going. I'm afraid if I go talk to the Lord, he's going to say, I got to give all that up. And I got to tell you, I don't care, okay? You need to know the answer. You need to hear the answer, all right? I was dating a girl for three years, all right, in college. And there's nothing wrong with her. It's just I knew I wasn't called to, to marriage, right? And, uh, you know, I'm praying. I'm praying at the Adoration Chapel here. And, uh, and I remember my head. Uh, and you got to pray. You got to pray. You got to talk to the Lord. You know, adoration is a great place to do that. You can't just think God's going to break through or whatever because you'll, you'll find a way to ignore him, you know, as I did many times. You know, but I was praying, and I remember dropping my head and looking at my, uh, you know, I was looking at the pew in front of me. And, uh, and I was just saying, Lord, if, I, if you're calling me to be a priest, just give me a sign. Just give me a sign, right? And all of a sudden, this light that didn't, I didn't know if it was, came on or if it wasn't on before, but there was nobody else in there except one other person, but I could see them. And they were kneeling down. And all of a sudden, this light came on over my head, directly over my head. And on, on the pew, you could see a perfect silhouette of my head. And then this light halo around it from the light. So this, my head and it, and I and I said I said to God, just any other sign, Lord, just any other sign, right? Because <laughs> I had every, you know, I had everything going. Um, but that was his. He was telling me. He was telling me it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we. Of course, we want. Uh, you know, some guys are going to be called to that. They're going to be called to marriage and children, and but other other guys won't. And women will be called to the convent, right? But we have to ask. We have to ask. You know. It's strange. We used to used to have these priestly figures in all kinds of media and literature and everything like that. Now we don't. But I found some a priestly figure order in this series. Maybe you heard of it. I won't, don't recommend it for people. But Game of Thrones, right? Oh, I've heard of it. So in the se- in a secular world, you know, secular world, this world of fantasy. All right, this guy was born towards. Uh, he was born. He was. Uh, born out of wedlock or to an affair so he can never inherit his father's land so he's like where am i gonna get honors up he's like well i got an uncle he he is belongs to the night's watch and their whole job is there's there's this ancient evil that's out there and they built this huge wall to protect against it and they kind of thought it's been so long now since the evils attacked that they kind of think it's a myth and stuff but still it's an honorable job but you have to be celibate to do it right because your whole job is just being on this giant 300 foot wall or no, it's a 700-foot wall, and it's 300 miles long, and there's 12 towers on there and a 1,000 guys in each tower, and and you have to totally devote your life to it. So he goes to that, but he finds out that nobody takes it serious anymore. It's all just a joke, and and the towers have been abandoned, and there's maybe three towers left that they – and there's maybe 100 guys there. And some of the guys, they joined, they joined the other side. They went over to the wildlings on the other side, the kind of pagans on the other side. And he said, am I going to take this serious when nobody else took this serious, right? And him and his brothers that he's there with, they go off to take the Night's Watch Oath. They're like the seminarians, right? They're like brother seminarians. And this is the the Night's Watch Oath. And this is, again, this is a second world calling out for for heroes, for men, right? And And this is the Night's Watch Oath. It says, night gathers, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall wear no crowns and win no glory. I shall live and die at my post. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the wall. I am the fire that burns against the cold. 
the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes a sleeper, the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this night and all the nights to come. Wow. And, and if that doesn't get your blood Holy going cow, it gave me a little for bit battle, of here, right? Man. If that doesn't get your blood, guys, if that doesn't get your blood going for battle, then I don't want you, okay? For a priest, we need some soldiers, okay? We need some soldiers that hear that call, and and that's what's so interesting is that a lot of priests they kind of join to kind of be, and and this is fine. There's nothing against their priesthood, but they joined in the '60s when. You know, you never ran into somebody that was atheist, you know, rarely. You never ran into somebody that was in the occult. You never ran into somebody that was a, said they were a Satanist or said they were a witch or anything like that. And so I have guys, you know, priests, I tell them I'm a sister in Exodus, and they go, you know, I went my whole priesthood, 50 years of priesthood, and I never had to deal with that stuff. And it's almost like the story here in Game of Thrones where there's this ancient evil, but it's been de- defeated for so long that people just thought that was a myth, you know, mm-hmm. that it, no, it was a joke and nobody needed it. But now there are so many witches and Satanists and people in the occult and, and atheists attacking the faith that their diocese are training all of their priests to do minor exorcisms of a place because people have their renters move out and they go in there and there's pentagrams everywhere, yeah. right? Holy and they were cow. doing all kinds of stuff everywhere. You know, I tell priests that's been ordained 50 years about that and he just never heard of it. It just never happened, right? And so um, we need men of sacrifice. That's what this, this is. Somebody that will take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. He's got one mission and that's to serve the Lord and the church and that's all, all he's devoted towards. And, and we need that, you know? There, the bishop said this, and and Pope Francis approved this rule as, as well. So I'm not I'm not set, making this up. But um, right now in our diocese, um, we're not taking application for seminary from from men with same sex attraction. Okay, is it God's not calling them? I, I don't know, but we need men of sacrifice. All right, we need men that are going to give up their wife. They're going to give up their children, future wife, future children. And, and devote themselves to the Lord. You know, we don't want any guys that, well, I can't get married, so therefore I guess I'll be a priest. And it's the only way I can make my mom happy and proud of me. And uh, I'm just going to fall into the priesthood. No. Gotcha. No, we got, need guys that are, are cutting it off and saying, you know what? I love you, but God's called me to be a priest, to be a celibate priest. And we need celibacy. Okay, we need celibacy. Celibacy is the last line defense for Western civilization. Okay. All right, that's why all the other, you know, the Protestant churches are all going to fall to this, you know, the LGBT stuff because, you know, the, the homosexual can go to his Protestant pastor and say the Protestant pastor is married, maybe married multiple times from divorce, and says, um, "Would you give up your, your spouse and your children if God asked you to?" And the Protestant pastor says, well, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, then how can you ask me, the homosexual, to give up my spouse, so-called spouse, and my children if you're not willing to do that? But then they come to the, the Catholic priest, the celibate Catholic priest. Are you willing to give up your, your spouse and your children if God asked you? I already did. I sacrificed my wife before I ever married her. I sacrificed my kid before, before I, they were ever born, conceived and born, right? So... We need men of sacrifice. 
that are willing to say, this life is not all there is. There's an eternity out there where Jesus tells us there is no marriage, okay? Yeah. So we're pointing towards that. We're saying, guys, there's something else. And, and we want to be the bridge the, to help people get there. And we need strong families. And, you know, I get uh, women to my vocation talk, so I, I get a time to, to pound about, um, you know, marriage, like you said. As a married man, as mm-hmm. a father, it's so important for me to say, I don't want to derail God's plan. So yeah. whatever God's plan for you, that's what I want you to do. Because sometimes young boys will go, what, how can I please mom and dad? Mm-hmm. I don't want that. And I also want my sons to know, if God calls you to the priesthood, mm-hmm. then you have no greater calling. Please right. follow that. If he's calling you to be a husband, then mm-hmm. that is awesome. Please do that. Yeah. But please know that um, I... You have uh, you have the blessing of God upon whatever He's calling you to. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid of that call. Right. So we we got to hear the call. We can't just be like, well, I prefer this one, or I, I you know, it doesn't matter. We got to go with what God's calling us to. And perhaps it's marriage. And if it's marriage, then it needs to be a strong marriage based on yeah. God. You know, everybody's like, how do we fix marriage? Because really, it's it's not a, a vocation crisis, a priesthood. It's vocation crisis, a marriage. Because if you get if the parents get divorced, then you know there's not a lot of kids like me or priests like me that that my parents you know are divorcing and I heard, still heard God's call. Yeah, you know a lot of times they just can't hear it anymore. You know we're not 50 percent. The seminary isn't isn't um, kids of divorce like it should be, right? It should be, 50, but it's not. It's maybe 10 percent at most, right? So that means like there's like 40 percent that aren't aren't hearing it. God's calling them to, but they're they're too lost and. And everything. So we need those strong marriages. And everybody's like, "How do we save it? What's the program? Is there is there a video we can have them watch? Is there a retreat we can have them go on? You know, what's a book we have them read? You know, whatever." And it's like, no, you need God's plan. There's God has the perfect marriage prep, okay? And they, you know, my grandparents knew that. It's it's um, no sex till mar- your wedding night, right? It's prayer every every day. It's um, mass every week. It's open, open to life, and it's going to it's going to Sunday mass, right? So you do those, you know, five things. If you do those five things, especially the you know, uh, add in, you know, open to life, no contraception. You're using, maybe using NFP or something like that. But one study said less than five percent got divorced. The other study said less than one percent got divorced, right? Yeah. Because why? You're you're building the house with God's help. You're not building it on sand, as Jesus warns us. And then the first storm comes along, and it's all wiped away. You're building on solid rock. His His commandments, His teaching, right? And then, um, so, you know, I'm not going to do uh, divorce prep for people if they if they're living together and they don't want to separate. You know, that's the biggest contributor to divorce. You know, there's other things too. You know, the the contraception yeah. stuff like that. But um, the biggest Thirty-three percent higher chance of divorce yeah. just from uh, from cohabitation, right? And so you just get the, rid of that one, increase your chance a lot. Imagine you're following all God's commands. <laughs> yeah. how, how great it gets, right? So I don't do uh, d- divorce prep anymore. If somebody wants, they don't want to uh, separate. I'll still give them a, a wedding. You know, they have a right to a wedding, but they don't get a big wedding in front of all their cousins and aunts and stuff. It's just the two of them and two witnesses and 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 you know a handful of people around the baptismal font or something. Because I might be able to convince them to even living together to to uh, you know not have sex until the wedding night and go to confession right away. And but do the, all their cousins know that? Do all their aunts and uncles know that? 
Do all the little kids know that when they're watching the wedding? No, they just see, oh, they were living together, and father's giving a big wedding. And so it must not be that big of a deal when it's the biggest deal, okay? It's the biggest contributor. It's the biggest contributor. So um, we need women that are called to the convent. We need married couples that are called to God's marriage prep plan for for their marriage. And, and we need guys to the priesthood. And um, guys to the priesthood, you go, well, I'm, I'm going to miss out on the intimacy of, of uh, having a wife. And the answer to that is the Eucharist, okay? Because um, you're not you're not doing this for a symbol, all right? Yeah. I tell this to the, I tell this to the prisoners, and it works for celibate men too, and stuff. But you know, say you're getting married, and you've been waiting till till the till wedding night, and all, and then uh, your wedding night, and you're in your hotel room, and you're in the wedding suite, honeymoon suite, and you're next to the bed, and your wife's saying to you now your wife for the first night is saying is saying to you honey i want to give you the greatest gift i can possibly give you and then she she pulls out a picture of herself says just look at that whenever you want to think of me and remember me (laughs) good night (laughs) (laughs) and and the prisoners are like i could think of something better than she could give me right (laughs) i could uh, the gift of yourself the greatest gift is a gift to yourself. So if 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 the Eucharist was just a simple, then no, I wouldn't be doing this. But when I, when Jesus is saying, you know, during those words of consecration, he's saying, "This is my body given up for you. This is my life given up for you." I'm saying it to him back. This is my life given up for you, Lord. I'm giving everything for you, as he says in the scriptures. Anybody who's given up wife and children and and lands and glories and honors and crowns are going to be rewarded with a, a hundred times more in this life and the next with persecutions. That's a cross. Cross is always there too, with persecutions. But but um, that's the that's the beauty of it is is the intimacy. That's why you see some priests on their first mass when they're saying those words to Jesus and Jesus is saying that they're crying on their first mass. You know, uh, nuns have that with it that they're the bride bride of. Christ, and that's the intimacy. Every time they receive communion, the, the exchange of bodies, and and the exchange of life. And for the married couple, you know, my grandparents tell this great story. Back in the day, when they didn't have all this crazy sex, said, "Oh, how did how did people ever figure that stuff out?" You know, <laughs> they've been figuring it out for a long time, right? Without all these graphic books and stuff, and the terrible pornography books they got in schools. But so they would get married on the Saturday. That wouldn't that wouldn't count towards Sunday obligation. So they, the newly married, married couple, this is when you know a priest got got a yeah. good couple, is they come to church on Sunday morning after their their wedding night, right? And they go up to communion, and my grandparents' story, and they come back from communion, and they're crying, you know, the men are crying, the women are crying, and they say, "Why are you crying? Why are you crying?" And they said, "I've been receiving communion my whole life, but." This is the first time I understand what he means. This is my body given up for you. Yeah. They were virgins. They got married. They were open to life on their wedding night. And a total gift of self to each other. Then they can understand the Mass better. They can understand communion, the Eucharist better. It's not just a symbol God just giving you a little picture of himself saying, remember me. Right? It's, a, it's the exchange of selves, Right? who we are. And so... You're not alone. I get to kiss, 
whatever your love language is, right? I get to I get to kiss the um, I get to kiss the altar when I start mass. I get to kiss the gospel. I get to kiss the altar when I, and I get to exchange exchange selves with the Lord during during uh, the words of consecration, and then I get to kiss the altar again when I leave. All right. You know, we that, don't think about that. That's the I'm glad that you just said that because mm-hmm. as a layperson, I do not think of that. I mean, I, I've noticed it, and I think it's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. but I do not think of it in the way that you just said. Mm-hmm. And that that uh, yeah, that's something we lost. We've something we lost because we just think we just think as a priesthood. Well, it's as, just another one of those as things a job. They do. Yeah, it's just a job. It's just, it's just, that's the way he clocks in. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, no. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And in fact, when Jesus on the cross, when he, he said it is finished, another way to translate that is it is consummated. Uh-huh. He had con- he had given everything to his bride, right? And and the church, and that's us. And it's consummated. And the church is my bride. And sometimes, uh, your bride will do annoying. Th- There's things you love about your bride. And and you can't can't wait to give her you know the kiss on the altar and stuff. And there's things about your bride that you know are annoying and drive you nuts. But that's part of the relationship and the giving back and forth. Is, I've been is learn this. how to deal with that. I've been saying this all day, honey. I love you because I know you have to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and what you're talking about right. is um, in in everything that we're hearing. I, I think the one common theme, and and I actually um, I heard a guy say this, and it's helped me so much with um, marriage preparation couples that I walk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked them, what do you think is the most important thing in marriage? And, and almost verbatim, most couples will say um, communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, yeah, that's pretty important. But uh, I was listening to a Catholic speaker that said there's something more important than that, sacrifice. Yep, I was just about to say it. And I was like, yep. so true. That's what, what, that's what you know, people – what does a priest? What do a priest teach? Teach you know a married couple about being married? Sacrifice. A lot. It's like we live a life of sacrifice. They married couples live a life of sacrifice, and and you got to sometimes you got to give everything and you get nothing in return, right? And but that's you do that because you love. You know, we especially see that with kids. You know, where we're just giving everything to yeah. them, and we wish we could be sick instead of they be sick. You know, and yeah. and we wish we could take it on. That's why Jesus is towards us. He wishes, he, and it would he'd see somebody sick. He would groan because he'd take that sickness out of them into him, and he'd experience all the isolation, all the fear, all the, you know, and he just groaned because he didn't want them to be sick. He wanted sickness to be onto himself. And so the giving that person, uh, sacrifice, and of course, the cross, that's when he said, you know, it is consummated because he took all the evil of the world and put it on himself. Took it, you know, like a divine blood transfusion that I often talk about. Gave us a little exchange. He took our sin and gave us a drop of his divine blood. And that has infinite grace in there if we cooperate with it. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Vocations Equals Sacrifice with Father Joshua Word. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Joshua Worth. Vocations equals sacrifice. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. 
We have Father Joshua Worth in here talking to us about vocations. We've been having an amazing discussion talking about sacrifice, um, and I think we'll jump back into it because here's what I see with the problem. Um, we live in a contraceptive culture, mm -hmm. very, very much so. Nobody can deny that. Nobody in the secular world will deny that. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we don't know how to sacrifice. We live, everything else we have, um, you know, our phones, fast food, everything is instantaneous. Yeah. And so we don't remember anymore how to give things up for a greater good. And especially then when it comes to that, when we, when, uh, and, and I don't say we, um, as everybody, but when our society um, teaches our young people that um, you can take this little magical pill mm -hmm. and then you don't have mm -hmm. to have the consequence of a child. We're teaching them, number one, that child's not a gift. Right. Um, and number two, that you don't need to sacrifice. Mm -hmm that you should be giving anything you want the moment yeah. you want it so that there doesn't have to be any sort of discomfort. So how would you uh, play off that, Father? We, we, have to, we have to know about sacrifice. And, yeah, people don't know it. So God's going to teach us, and it's going to be painful. All right, we're going to yeah. we're in an hour of testing. You know, twenty years ago is when I was watch, watching these uh, terrible news reports of all you know all the Judas priests that betrayed their oath and betrayed their. They were like those Knights Watch that went over to the other side of the wall and were working for the enemy. And and I remember looking, you know, clenching my fist and my teeth, but yet uh, tearful as well, looking at the TV, saying, "Lord." Call some men of sacrifice. If it's me, then call me. Right? We need some. This world needs to learn about sacrifice. He's gonna. He's gonna teach us. And it's gonna be painful. But every every country, every generation has their hour of testing. Right? Yeah. You know, think of the Catholics in in Nazi Germany. They had to choose: Do I go along with the party, or do I stand and? Um, Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Joseph Ratzinger. He was only in the Hitler Youth, but he escaped. He said, "I'm not, I'm not going to go with the flow. I'm going to I'm going to escape." Or JP two and the uh, you know communist Russia, that the testing are Catholics and and Christians going to go along with this atheistic party and everything. And so there was people that tried to justify it. You could be Catholic and you can be communist and and you can you can belong to the party as long as you belong to the party first. Then you can follow God after second. You know and um and and he was in. Doing hard labor, right, in underground seminaries, okay, or the um, black shirts in uh, Mussolini, Italy. All the Catholics that had to decide whether they were going to follow Mussolini, and and so there was the the black shirts in Mus under Mussolini, Italy. There was the red shirts, Stalin and, and communism. There was the brown shirts and Nazism, and and they all had to and and Hitler, and they all had to make their choice. Where are they where are they going to these this is which side am I going to fall on, and what's going to be the color of the shirt that's going to persecute us? Can you guess? <laughs> it's, wow, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy guess. <laughs> I, I got I got this. Um, uh, I got another quote. This one's from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. So this one is a uh, you know Catholic, but he saw where he saw where it's coming uh -huh. from. He saw where the next hour testing was going to come from. And you have you, are you a big fan, Lord of the Rings fan? Yeah, I am reading the Lord of the Rings right now. Have I, you got I, to the part where Saruman the White has betrayed Gandalf? Have I have that? not. I read okay. The Hobbit. Um, I'm reading that now. Um, I unfortunately watched the movies, yeah. and they are never as good. Oh, yeah, of course. So anyway, before but, I go too much off on that, yes, yeah. reading it at the moment. So Saruman the White betrays Gandalf, and when he does that, he 
he says to him, for I am Saruman the wise, Saruman ringmaker. He changes his name. Saruman of many colors. He's no longer wearing a white outfit. He's wearing this prism colored of every color of the rainbow. Sound familiar? So, and then he said, white, he sneered. It serves as a beginning. White cloth may be dyed. White page can be overwritten. And the white light can be broken. So you start with the white, like you said, the white light of God's truth. Male and female, he created them. And today's test is, that's just the beginning. You can break the male into all these different sub-genders. You can break the female into all these sub-genders. And you can break all the, all the races into all these sub-persecuted you know, uh, groups. And you know they try to put 72... Uh, genders on, on Facebook and people complained because they couldn't find their gender on there. All right, they came up with all kinds. So finally, they just put a blank space, fill in, your, fill you in your own gender, right? And they couldn't. They started adding colors to the rainbow pli- uh, pride rainbow flag because they didn't have an. It didn't represent enough people. Okay, so they started adding the transgender colors. They started adding uh, you know the different races colors and everything. And so, and this is what Gandalf says. He says, in which case is no longer white, and I, meaning Gandalf, and, and he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. So in order to, to, order to you know, start that path and say, you know, the white light of, of God's truth about uh, race and, and racism and everything like that, um, that we're just one human race, that's just the beginning, and let's break it. Well, then you're going to cause all kinds of dysfunctions to society when you do that, right? Martin Luther King, he brought everybody under, under what? Christian teaching. Said, I'm a Christian, and I'm a man. And they'd wear a nice suit, and they'd wear protests. And they're saying, how can you keep me out of this swim pool? How can you keep me out of this movie theater? I'm a man. I'm a Christian. And I'm one of you. We belong to the same race. But now it's... You'll never understand me. You don't know who I am. I'm something different, and and I'm and what I am there's isn't even a label for. And you'll never and you'll never be able to make up for whatever crimes you've done against me, right? So everything's being shattered. Everything's being shattered. So what are, what are we going to be persecuted by? You know, most likely those people that burnt down the churches in in Canada. They went back to their car and they had a rainbow colored coexist bumper sticker on there right they th- <laughs> i think that they are the tolerant coexisting uh, i'm accepting of everybody except for the anybody that says they got the truth uh-huh anybody that says they got objective truth to measure myself by they gotta go and their institutions gotta go and they gotta be obliterated yeah, it's there, funny that you there's say being, that. There's, there's, there's Christians being persecuted in the Middle East. Their hour testing is whether they deny Christ and or, or they get executed, right? Yep. But in America, uh, you got to deny Christ. You got to keep your head, but you just lose everything else, yeah. right? So you get canceled. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's funny, not in the ha-ha sense, but funny um, in the crazy sense. Uh, because uh, everything that you're talking about, you know, um, uh, Father Damien was in here a little bit ago, and he's talking about creation yeah. being a sacrament. Um, and we think about man and woman. We never will be whole 
Right. Um, if we don't understand that God created us to be a one flesh union in marriage, mm-hmm. right? Um, as you said, you get to be wed to Christ while here on this earth. Right. Um, God created man and woman um, in a state of marriage. So, yeah, for any, us, any, to, cre- any creative men and women of a human race, right? They didn't. Yeah. He didn't create black men and women. He didn't create. create White, black, you know, native. He just created one, so we're all we all can trace back, and science yeah. has even proved this. Science even said now we got one, one female. Everybody's got the same uh, mother genetically, and everybody's got the same father genetically. They can trace it all back to about two hundred thousand years ago, and there was t- there was two people that it all started from. Everybody's got the DNA from these two people. So I was reading a p- report like wh- that. What color? What skin color were they? They were human. They were human. Yeah. Right? What genders were they? They were male and female. So that white light of truth, that perfect white light of truth that God has revealed to us, and then science and and and, and archaeological discoveries and and genomes figure out what we already knew from the Bible. <laughs> all right, and yet they take it and um, they use it at, to their to their own detriment. You know, same way we just we knew that life started at conception, and before there was ever uh, ultrasound to show yeah, exactly. us what was going in, you know, they used to think that you went through all the stages of evolution in, in the womb, you know. So you're probably killing just somebody in their in their giraffe state or whatever. I don't know, but um, no, from the very beginning, it's a human yeah. just becoming a bigger and bigger human the whole time that they're in the womb, right? And so that's something we've known the whole time. But um, sci- science has only proved us God right, and we know know it. And then they totally ignore it once once they see it. So. We need. We just need men that's going to stand up for this, the truth of God, and it's the only thing that's going to hold together this civilization. Because if we all just go over to the other side of the wall and we start tolerating all kinds of terrible things, you know, Fulancino always said, "We tolerate people. We don't tolerate ideas." Yeah. It's like so. People ask me, you know, when I'm when I'm saying mass at the um, prison, there's also the witches meeting in in their room having their little spells and stuff there's also the satanist meeting there's also the native americans meeting there's also the buddhist meeting and um, people say are you are you afraid of what's going on in those other rooms and i go no they're afraid of what's going on in our room (laughs) they're like no demons want to show up when father's saying mass over there all right we can we can we switch our time so we're not there at the same time the Catholics are having their mass because the demons don't want to show up when, and so this is what we're pushing against 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 the pagan culture. Archbishop Gomez had a really great talk where he's like these 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 woke religions that are supplanting. They have their own doctrines. They have their uh-huh. own hierarchy. They have their own ways that you get excommunicated if you don't say the right words. Right? If you don't say comrade or you don't if you say guys and you're using gender language, you know you get excommunicated from the group. And you get canceled and all that stuff. So we need we need men that are willing to say it doesn't matter. I don't. You can't attack my kids. I don't have any kids. You, you can't attack my wife. I don't have a wife. You can't attack my career. I don't have a career. I, you can't attack my income. I don't have an income. All I'm doing is working for the church. So I have nothing to lose because I've given it. I've already sacrificed it all. That is in, awesome. In in pursuit of of following Christ and, and His church and what he's called me to do. And it has to be a call. You can't just say, yeah. I want to pick up this banner. If God's not at calling you to pick up that banner, then it's not going to work out. But if he's calling you to, 
to marriage, you got to do it right. If you're calling your priesthood, you got to do it right. If you're called to the convent, you got to do it right according to his plan. That's uh, that's a very comforting statement, actually, because mm-hmm. when you say that, yeah, about all the things that you think you're going to lose, you actually get to go, as a man, I get to do my nightly duty as a priest. Right. Exactly. You know, as a married man, I do worry about those things. I worry mm-hmm. about my children. Mm-hmm. I worry about my family. I worry how am I going to support them, you know, if, if this happens, if I lose my job, you know, yeah. um, anything like that. Um, in your state, you go, no. I'm just going to go fight the battle. Right. That's right. it. Like, let me at it. Give me my sword. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Mm-hmm. That is, that's that's awesome, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I loved having this conversation with you because it yeah. gave me a completely new look um, on on the priesthood and and what that call is. What you don't lose out of it, mm-hmm. but actually what you gain. Um, and, and then you know we we have only about three minutes, maybe, <laughs> um, really quickly. Oh yeah. Um, but um, I got one every, more. I got one more co- okay, quote go for too. It. You just go for it. Then. All right. So this, so complimenting the um, the quote from the Night's Watch from the from the fiction, I think this is could be the priest, but really any Christian's oath, but really the priest. Um, this is Saint Charles Borromeo. Nothing pleases God more than for us to be His sons' helpers, and to undertake the charge of saving souls. Nothing brings more joy to the church than those who restore restore souls to spiritual life. Thus despoiling hell, defeating the devil, casting out sin, opening heaven, making the angels glad, glorifying the most holy trinity, and preparing for themselves a never-fading crown. So in that first one, they would wear no crown and win no glory. And in in this one, not a crown and glory in this life, but a never-fading crown. And when Jesus said to him, you will be to the apostles, to the priests, to the bishops. You will be sitting on the 12 uh, judgment seats, judging the children of men. You're gonna be wearing these crowns that never fade. You're gonna be wearing these white robes that never fade. And responsibilities are gonna be magnified and glorified in the heavenly realm. So that's that's just to, um, that's the oath that and that every Christian is called to, to do, to spoil uh, hell, defeat the devil, open up heaven for people. The, a priest is a bridge, you know. He, he's he's linked from this life to the next, and people kind of walk over him, um, and kind of dig their heels into him sometimes. But he's the first one there and the last one to leave, and he might be a little beat up at the end of it. But it, that's his joy: is that I was able to lay down my life, and people were able to use my life to walk over into into the realms of heaven, and and that's going to be my glory forever in heaven. God's going to show all. What my life, how many people that purchased for the heavenly kingdom. Wonderful words of wisdom for us today. Uh, uh, Father Joshua is going to hang around uh, for just a few minutes here. Um, he was on talking uh, about uh, vocations, what what it uh, really should look like, uh, what young men need to do to answer that call. And, uh, you know, if, I think if we could sum it up, we would say sacrifice. Uh, let, me, let me plug yeah. one more thing for... Um, Go for it. So, first off... Uh, you have to go. You have to go pray. You have to ask the Lord to to tell you what are you calling me to do. And if you feel like you're being called to a priesthood, email me at vocations at slinadiocese.org, and me and Father Andy Hamicky will either answer your email, um, but we'll get you an application. And it doesn't mean you're getting ordained the next day, but um, you gotta you gotta go. You gotta go to seminary. If God's calling you, you gotta go to seminary and see if that call maintains itself throughout all of, of seminary. And uh, it might not be what you thought your life would look like, but it doesn't matter. It's what God wants your life to look like. 
And you will be blessed. Yeah, definitely. Blessed. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Just call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM, Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.